This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. If you already have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This morning I'm preaching sermon number 3 in a sermon series of nine messages on Bible prophecy. We're continuing our theme on prophetic events that will take place immediately when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. And by the way, we as Buford Road Baptist Church believe in the imminent return of our Savior. That means that Jesus Christ could come back at any moment. And uh, I'm so thankful that uh, we understand the scriptures to teach these great truths and it's an enormous task that God has given me to try to communicate and articulate these wonderful principles and truths of God's Word to you pertaining to the second coming of Jesus Christ. This morning, if you have your Bibles open to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, but I do want to emphasize to you this morning that I am going to give you many, many verses I pray that you will take as many notes as you possibly can. Now the Bible says, if you will look carefully with me, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 10, the Bible says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, According to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And so the third sermon of this prophetic message series is entitled, The Judgment Seat of Christ. The Judgment Seat of Christ. For those of you who are not familiar with the age in which we are living. It is called the dispensation of grace or the church age. That's very fundamental. It's important for you to understand that. In the book of Acts, God sent the Holy Spirit who would initiate the beginning of the church age. That beginning of the church age took place on the day of Pentecost. Now, those are some fundamental truths, but I think it's, it's very important for every believer to know that. You see, Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry had earlier declared that Simon Peter would listen intently to his declaration. Jesus said to Simon Peter that he was the rock in which the church would be built upon. In fact, he went on to say, upon this rock, talking about himself, I will build my church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. But I declare unto you today that the Lord Jesus Christ is not building the church with bricks. He's building the church with believers. If you are not familiar 
with this word church, in the Greek, the word is called ekklesia. And the word ekklesia means a called out assembly. That's what the church is. The church is, in fact, a called out assembly. Now, a lot of times we think about the church being instruments or carpet or flowers or different things, but that's not correct. Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church. And so He is in the church building business today. He is in the people, believer building business today. Now listen carefully. Just as the church had a beginning, which was at Pentecost, the church age will also have an ending. Now listen carefully. It had a beginning. It will have an ending. The church age began with Pentecost and the church age will end with the rapture. So you remember that. The church age, the dispensation of grace. The church age began at Pentecost. It will end in the rapture. Now, as I have already said multiple times already in this series, even though this is only the third sermon. But it's imperative for you to understand that the rapture of the church is the next prophetic event on God's calendar. In fact, the Bible tells us exactly how the rapture will begin. You say, well, preacher, we talked about the rapture last Sunday. Indeed, we did. But I have to use it as a cornerstone to the message today. Turn your Bibles with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And I want you to look carefully. Because the rapture is the next prophetic event that will take place on God's calendar. Now, when you open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I want you to read this scripture with me very carefully. The Bible says this, and again, the Apostle Paul is the one who is writing he said, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. Now, I want you to hold your Bibles in these two locations because we're going to come back to it. But if you can find quickly the next to the last book of the Bible, the book of Jude, it is one chapter and there is a very important verse that I want you to see in retrospect of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So if you're holding your Bibles in the position of 1 Thessalonians 4 and you have now found the book of Jude, here's what I want you to do. Hold your place in Jude. Flip back quickly to 1 Thessalonians and let's look at this one more time and we'll go back directly to Jude. In 1 Thessalonians 4, the Bible says, For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. Do you see that? All right, now, hold your place, go to the book of Jude, and let me say this, that the word archangel is only mentioned twice in the entire Bible. Once in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and then here in the book of Jude, verse 9. Look at it carefully. 
and I will read the first part of this and comment and we'll read the rest of it. The Bible says in Jude, verse 9, yet Michael the archangel. Do you see that? Michael the archangel. Notice that is not a plural description of the archangel, but singular. It says archangel, which means one. Now look at the rest of the verse. Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. Durst, or that word durst mean dared. He dared not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke thee. Now I know many people believe that when the trumpet sounds in the rapture, that we are all waiting for Gabriel to blow the horn. That's not good Bible theology. That's not what's going to happen. Now, Gabriel was in fact a significant angel in the Scripture. A significant messenger of God. But nowhere in the Scriptures does God give Mike or Gabriel the title of archangel. The only angel in the Word of God that the Bible gives the description of an archangel is Michael. I know sometimes that when we sing the midnight cry, we sing the words when Gabriel sounds the call. But I want you to know that nowhere in the Bible does the Word of God ever refer to Gabriel as the archangel. Now go back with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And I want us to read this verse again. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 16, the Bible says, For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. Not one of the archangels, but of the archangel. And with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up, or that means raptured out, together with them in the clouds, and notice this very carefully, to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now when this happens, notice that this meeting with the Lord is not in heaven. When the trumpet sounds and the rapture takes place, we are not immediately going to heaven. According to the Word of God, when the trumpet sounds, and the dead in Christ rise first, then with we which are alive and remain are caught up with them. We are going to meet the Lord in the air. Notice that. In the air. Now, this is where the judgment seat of Christ takes place. This is not only where it takes place in the air, but it also tells us when it's going to take place. So after the rapture takes place and we receive our glorified bodies and we are translated from this earth glorified into the presence of Jesus, we're going to meet Him in the air. Now I want to emphasize this, that that experience will only involve born-again believers. This is not going to be a general assembly for all. In fact, there will not be one single lost person or unbeliever at the judgment seat of Christ. 
All of us who are saved are going to stand before the Lord Jesus at this judgment, the judgment seat of Christ, and we will stand before Him in the air in our resurrected, glorified bodies. And we're going to appear before Him in these resurrected and glorified bodies for a specific purpose. I want you to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 again. And I want to break it down quickly for you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 10, I want you to notice the first part of that. For we. <clears throat> now the Apostle Paul is in direct reference to those who have been born again. We, brothers and sisters, we, born again ones. This means every born again believer. When you, when you see that word we, you can underline it and put it somewhere in the margin of your Bible that it pertains to only Christians. In fact, the book of Romans chapter 14, verse number 12 says this, So then every one of us shall give an account of God of Himself. When we as believers stand before the Lord Jesus in the air at the judgment seat, listen, you can forget this thing about the devil made me do it. You can forget this thing about, you remember what happened to Adam when God confronted him in the Garden of Eden? And God said, what is this that thou hast done? He said, the woman that thou gavest me. That's right. I will tell you when we stand at the judgment seat, we will not be able to turn to our left nor right to look in front or behind and try some politically correct explanation as to all of the whys and how comes. Because the Word of God says we, we must all give an account for ourselves. Now I want you to notice the next word. Must. You might want to underline that. That means this. That there is going to be a required necessity. If you look at the word all and underline that word. That means this. That there are absolutely no exceptions. For we must all. Now, if you look again, the word says appear. And that's talking about this. Every one of us who are children of God, we're saved, born again, all of us will keep this appointment. There are no exceptions to it. In fact, when the word says appear, it is almost with the great significance of a spiritual subpoena. Or a spiritual summons. Listen, I will tell you this. That the day that we became born again children of God. The day I got saved. The day you got saved. The Holy Spirit more or less handed me a subpoena. Handed me a summons. Along with my salvation the Holy Spirit handed me a summons. And He said you will appear. Before the judgment seat of Christ. 
So I want you to understand that. Now notice those next words. That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now let me say this, that as believers, we basically encounter in our spiritual life with Christ three different types of judgments. As believers, number one, we are judged as sinners at the cross. The cross of Calvary is where our sin was judged. That's where it was done. In fact, if you can turn quickly to Romans 8, 1, and I'm running out of time, I'm not halfway finished, and so I don't have a whole lot of time to wait until you find these scriptures today. So I would say if you cannot put your fingers on them in three or four seconds, that you write them down and go back and, and reread them. But in Romans chapter 8, verse number 1, the Bible says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So I want to be clear this morning that as born-again believers, you and I were judged as sinners at the cross. Number two, the second way that we are judged as believers is according to our sonship. As according to us being born into the family of God. You see, as children of God or as sons of God, that judgment takes place every day, every moment that we sin against God. In fact, the Holy Spirit that dwells within us convicts our hearts of sin. And listen carefully, if we do not confess it and if we do not repent of it, God the Holy Spirit will judge it, which means that He will chastise us. In fact, you can turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12 and I want you to see this in verse number 7. So first of all, we're judged as sinners and that judgment took place at the cross. Secondly, we are judged as sons. Sons of God. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 5, the Bible says, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children, my son. Despise not thou chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of Him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourged every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? So I will tell you this, that we are judged as sinners on the cross. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin hath left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. So we are judged as sinners at the cross. We are judged as sons every single time we do not confess and repent of our sin in which the Holy Spirit convicts us of. And the third judgment that we have as believers will be as servants. So if you're writing this down, listen carefully. We are judged, when you think about it this way, as sinners, sons, and servants. According to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 10, the Bible says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now, there are a couple of things about the judgment seat of Christ that you need to know. 
And that is this, at the judgment seat of Christ, there is absolutely no opportunity to change one thing about our earthly lives after the rapture. You see, this is the day of salvation. This is the opportunity. Work because the Bible says there will come a day when no man can work. So everything about our life that is going to be affected in eternity has to be done now. Nothing we can do. There is absolutely no effort. Nothing we can do. After we take our last earthly breath or after the rapture, nothing will ever change from that point forward in your relationship with God. It's a done deal. And so everything about us as far as eternity is concerned is determined and decided upon this side of death. The second thing, I want you to turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I want you to notice with me in verse number 13. Not only is there nothing we can change about our earthly lives after the rapture, but number two, and it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, everything about our earthly lives, listen carefully church, God will make public. Everything. And somebody might say, whoa, 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 whoa. What about that privacy act? Now I'll tell you what, friend, that ain't going to fly at the judgment seat. Well, I want to file a grievance. Well, listen, you can't file a grievance. There is no privacy act. You say, how do you know that for sure? Look at this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13. Every man's work. Now, does that mean some of us or all of us? Every man. Every man's work shall be made, what? Manifest. It shall be brought to light. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Now listen, God is going to bring to light everything about us at the judgment seat. Turn your Bibles quickly to Matthew chapter 12. And listen to this. God is not only going to bring to light our earthly deeds, but God will also bring to light our earthly words. I don't know if we understand the importance of our behavior or not. It's very important of what we say, just as important as to what we do. When we read the verse of Scripture in Jude just a few moments ago, did you get absolutely all out of that Scripture? Michael the archangel was wrestling with the devil over the body of Moses. And in that wrestling match, listen, the Bible says that Michael refused to say anything against the devil. And he said, I'm going to leave that over to God. So listen, if Michael refused to say anything about the devil, how more significant is it for us to criticize one another? Amen? Now you think about this. Not only are our deeds going to be made manifest, but also our words. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, But I say unto you, 
that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Now tell me, friend, does that not put the fear of God upon our life? The judgment seat of Christ will turn us inside and out. It's not going to be about sin. Sin was judged on the cross. It's not going to be about our sonship. The Holy Spirit whips the living daylights out of us in this life when we refuse to repent and confess those sins. But this judgment is going to be about our servanthood when we stand before the Lord Jesus. It's going to be about our service, our stewardship. And I want you to understand something, that in this life, God is not interested about the quantity of things we do. God is interested only in the quality of things that we do. And that's a big, tremendous difference. The third thing about the judgment seat of Christ is that it's going to be a time of eternal reward. Now, you should have your place marked in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, but I also want to read a verse for you in Revelation chapter 22. So I want to read those verses back to back. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, and Revelation chapter 22, verse number 12. Let's read 2 Corinthians 5 first. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And then if you flip over to Revelation chapter 22, the Bible says this in verse 12. And behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. So the judgment seat of Christ is also going to be a place where we receive our eternal, everlasting rewards. Now look at this carefully. Go back to 2 Corinthians 5.10. According to that passage of Scripture, every believer is going to receive something. Every believer will either receive something good or something bad. It all revolves around what we have done in this life. And I will tell you, it's amazing how we sit in these comfortable pews every week. We stroll through life or perhaps we told a Bible on Sundays and somehow we convince ourselves that everything is going to work out in the end. But I assure you, friend, that everything is not going to work out as planned. Our service is going to be judged. Our stewardship is going to be judged. Our witness for the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be judged. So the judgment seat of Christ, listen, it's going to be about the works done in our bodies. It's going to be about our Christian service. Now, I want to emphasize this again, that salvation is not about works. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of works, lest any man boast. Titus chapter 3 verse 5 teaches us not of works of righteousness which we have done. So when we stand before the Lord Jesus in the air at the judgment seat, it's not going to be about sin. It's not going to be about salvation. It is going to be about our works. Now think about this. There are several questions you need to ask yourself this morning if you are ready to go to heaven. And that is this. Am I doing everything Everything that God expects me to do in His Word. Am I doing those things unselfishly? Am I doing what I'm doing for the honor and glory of God? It's very important. 
And there is a reason why. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, notice this with me. You say, Pastor, we're looking at a lot of scriptures. Absolutely. This is a very important subject. I want you to look with me now. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 12. And if any man build upon this foundation, it's talking about your earthly life. Prior to the rapture, prior to death. Build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. <clears throat> Every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it. Because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. Yet so as by fire. You see, a lot of Christians are preparing for the judgment seat of Christ by just simply giving God a bunch of leftovers. Now you think about that spare time and pocket change. But friend, listen, you're going to suffer a huge loss if that's how you meet the Lord in the air. So let me remind you that if you're building your eternity on wood, hay, and stubble, then you are building an eternity on worthless junk, according to the Scriptures. God is going to try our works by fire. He's going to set a match to it. And listen, nothing can dispute what remains from that when he does that. No child of God has to worry about dying and going to hell from the judgment seat. That scripture we just read, the Bible says, we will still be saved. But we need to be worrying about the fire of judgment from a human perspective. And thank God, yes, we're going to miss, we're going to miss hell. Thank God for that. But I wonder what it's going to be like. When the Lord Jesus at the judgment seat sets a match to our works to see what will endure or what will not endure, what we will gain or what will suffer loss. As God sets a match to it through His Son Jesus now, and those works are tried in the fire, we might not go to hell, but some of us surely may be smelling like smoke. Because all of our works, listen now, will be tried by fire. And listen very carefully. When I thought about that, I think the biggest fool in all of the world is the person who is living with only today on their minds. Because if you start thinking about today only, listen, do you know that the, the workshop of the devil is procrastination? That's the tool of the devil. I wonder how many people today are not saved and they are listening in. They have bought into the lie of the devil tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Listen, friend. I think we need to pay more attention to the breaths we take because one of them will be the last. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.